I'm Joe Normal, and you're watching Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen and Scott Guitarmasis Angle. Have a rockin' day. You know, Scott and I were uh, bopping in the background <laughs> for the introduction there. Uh, I decided not to humiliate myself and continue as such. Uh, first of all, we want to thank great friend of the show, Joe Normal. Uh, thank you for the bumper. Thank you for doing the show with us. And of course, as always, we'd like to thank Mr. Studios, also friends of the show, for sponsoring the show, uh, the great Charles Larita, who is a guest all the way back from season one. We are so old that that's actually over four years ago at this point. Uh, they do great work over there in Pennington, New Jersey. And this is a different kind of show. It is our second intermezzo show. That means in between the regular outside guests, we give a chance for Scott and I to chat. Uh, and we really enjoy this because in between shows, Scott and I, just like everyone else who listens to the show, we talk music, we talk guitars, and we talk about bands and the like. Uh, and Scott's had this fantastic idea that he got from his dad. And this is really an homage to Scott's dad, who will watch the show. And it's the band amendments, which is just such a cool concept. Uh, and, you know, Scott behind the scenes puts together every show you see, the great graphics, lining up the guests, connecting us with Charles Larita uh, for our sponsor, who uh, has been a great friend and fan of the show. Uh, and we love to get Scott on periodically because he has more wisdom than I do in the world of music. So, Scott, slide yourself from the green room into this room. Da 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 da. Boink, wow. here I am. Here you are. <laughs> so, so, band amendments. What are the band amendments? I want to know what the band amendments are. Uh, it's an invented word, like a okay. pharmacist. <laughs> right, right, right. It's a studio. Uh, <laughs> Susu studio. A completely made up word. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's like the Ten Commandments of, of being in a band or being a musician. My father was a drummer for many, many years. Uh, he's 82 years old now, but back in the uh, early 60s, before the Beatles changed everything, uh, he right. was with a band called the Rockatones, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then, uh, you know, over the course of my childhood and my career as a musician, he would, uh, being a professional musician himself, he would chime in and say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Boy, that's a great point. Let me make a note of that. So I, I made I made a list of ten things. Oh, really? oh, so you were you were you were, you know what this is like in the early days of the Bible, right? Because <laughs> the, the Bible, when you think about it, all all the stories in the Bible were passed down orally. From yeah. Gener, you know, gener, and at some point there were scribes. I think I don't know. The Middle Ages is when they started writing it. So you were like a writer of the Bible. Style. Yeah. So I, I just sat down and thought about the 10 things that I remember that he said. And it's funny, I went to visit him yesterday right. and I showed him the introduction of the show we we're going to do. And I told him we we're going to do the band amendment show. And I started reading off the band amendments that I did. I got through the first two and he right. goes, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> Precisely, dad. This is That's the whole, I'm sorry. That's the whole fucking point. <laughs> That's exactly it. So we're going to cover the t all 10 uh, band amendments and get into a li little history of my father's uh, life and career. I'm playing drums. 
and uh, we got some really funny pictures and funny stories to go with each of the man mammoths hopefully if they come to mind so that's yeah. what we got going dave i love it and you know i want to i want to spend a couple minutes on your dad you know in, in one of our earlier shows you know we, we thanked our parents because they're really the ones who put up with all the crap yeah had the issue with the the lamp on the first floor almost fell over when we would jam upstairs uh, yeah. when you and i were in the cure together before right. that horrible yeah. uh band uh, that leech like band stole our name um, incredible yeah and, and then your interest in music has to have come i would think from dad like yeah. well, what a great homage to him that you have this great career in music and, and the show that that we we put a lot of love and time and effort into and that, yeah. that's that's yeah. all coming from dad that's great yeah i believe there's a genetic connection to musical talent um yeah you know there's got to be I mean, my brother's got it. My sister's got it. She sings. Mom, mom can sing. She won't admit it. Right, right, but, right. Uh, she was never a professional, you know, singer or band person. Uh, right. my, my sister's been in bands. I did not uh, know that. Yeah, she played drums in a band called The Bleeding Knees. I like that name. <laughs> I think it was an all-girl band, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, right. Maybe she'll chime in when she sees this. Uh, that's that's the one band I remember her being in. She was into the punk scene and the rock scene and the local scene in the Asbury Park area and Neptune and all that. Very and my nice. brother uh, had a short but storied career as a, an amazing guitar player, but playing out is not really his bag. You know, he's he's very content with being in the basement, a wailing away, and playing. A he's, lot of people are. He's a not lot even our, on social media. <laughs> you know, a lot of our guests um, prefer to just create music without playing in front of people. Yeah. You know, uh, Matt Bradford, uh, he he's he has a great career touring, yeah. but of late he's creating kick-ass music uh, from his home. And right, I, just, just making videos, short little one-minute videos, and people are eating it up as fast as he can dish it out. I, I, I watch every single one, and I think <laughs> everyone they're fantastic. How the hell can this guy, on his homemade slide guitars, create something different and refreshing? every single day and yet he does yeah they're all they're all a little bit different you would think yeah. he would be sort of you know faced with being in a rut kind of like uh anthony, yeah. anthony parker uh one of our guests is a, a massive influencer online you've probably seen anthony's videos yeah. uh, if you don't know the name you'll definitely know the face but he was saying <laughs> that you know he has difficulty coming up with ideas to do videos and then the algorithms the way they're set up if you play the same type of video each time that is a guy talking, playing guitar, and talking about playing guitar. Right. They kind of get lost in the sauce. If you come out with something a little bit weird and different, all of a sudden it blows up. And we've seen that, you know, with our channel as well. Yeah. And I saw the last one Anthony did. He didn't even touch his guitar. He, he put up there and he said, greatest line in the history of rock and roll. He came up with a great line from yeah. a Simon and Garfunkel song. And then everyone chimes in, they're great, but they're not rock and roll. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. You know. uh, we, we, you know, you know, you're doing well when you get more and more haters. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I want more hate. We need a little more hate. So well, you want to jump into the band amendments here? I, uh, I want to jump into the band amendments. Okay. So if only there was a graphic. Well, there is. And I've got them right here. Here's rule right. number uh, band amendments. Rule number one. Let's see. And this is stolen. My father's a was a and still is a very <laughs> avid fisherman. Okay. And there's an old fisherman's proverb that all fishermen are liars except you and me. I'm not so sure about you. So dad, 
made this band mammoth that says all musicians are assholes except you and me and i'm not so sure about you i love it i absolutely love it <laughs> and what he means by that there's there's a lot of assholes in the industry i mean we've all worked with them we've all met them yeah uh, there are a lot of great guys and girls and we get along well but once in a while you get into a band with a person that you just cannot stand for one reason or another no so so in your history following rule number one and obviously not in the smoking jackets, but in your no. in, in your history, ever deal with the volume hog? You know, the person who will just never. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've had I've had instances where um, the lead person of the band was so jealous of the cheering and stuff that I got. In fact, my father was taught, alluding to something that happened to him in the band he was in. Okay, when I told him the first thing. It immediately brought back the memory that he was in a band. And the guy was in control of the soundboard. Oh, was, so was also in the band, and he would just go over to the side when my father was singing, and turn down the volume. That's horrible. That is just because <laughs> every time he got done singing a song, people went ape shit, but they didn't go that much ape shit over the the guy that was the leader of the band. Right. So, so they started messing around with his tone controls and his volume controls and stuff. I wonder. I wonder if if band amendment rule one is usually rooted in insecurity is that what makes them the assholes <laughs> possibly i mean you know it's it, and then it's just bad band etiquette you know um i've had issues where i was playing with another guitar player and the guy was playing so incredibly loud that i couldn't hear myself and that was very frustrating then right. I, turn, I turn up a little bit and then he turn up a little bit and then i turn up a little bit and, right. and then next thing you got all all out volume war <laughs> Yeah, and then even if well, you she's don't... not servicing anybody, no, not the band, not the people that are there, not it just became a war between him and I, yeah. and that was basically the last time I played a gig with that band, and then and that was the end of that. Yeah, yeah, and, and we get it in famous bands. Look, Roger and Pete have had fistfights with right. each other. You know, yeah, the Toxic Twins, the Aerosmith. I mean, yeah, that's where these that's where these labels come from. Um, a right. band is like a family, and sometimes it's a dysfunctional family, and they still get by. I mean, look at yeah. all the fighting going on in Journey now. Neil oh, Schoen, Neil Schoen is suing this one, and this guy is suing this guy, and yeah, uh, it's, just, it's a disaster. Oh, it completely is. I mean, I I, I went out. I, I actually got to meet Ace Freely. Um, I know we're doing our Kiss show soon. I saw him. Right. Met him I met him last summer. He's yep. kicked out of Kiss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he Ace Freely was kicked out of Kiss. You know. It's, and, it's, it, and you got yeah. you, know, you got famous uh, stories like Pete Best and, and the Beatles, yeah. uh, how they just you know I'm sure Pete Best wasn't happy with the Beatles when they kicked him out. He probably thought they were assholes. Yeah, kicking him out true. of the band and, and hiring Ringo. Uh, and, and he and under the rule, but he's not an asshole <laughs> I, by definition, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So that's that's band amendment number one. All right, I'm ready for two. Here comes band amendment number two. All right, band member to never join a band when the guy names the band after himself. He'll be a controlling asshole. So here's here's another theme of assholeism again. Okay, <laughs> right, right. And all the troubles that I alluded to in the first story was the leader of the band who who named the band after himself. Wow. Um, when our good friend Tico Torres was uh, left Frankie Previtt's band, Frankie and the Knockouts, to be right. unknown then unknown John Bon Jovi. Who was just a sweeper at the local radio station, AWAPP in New York City. Right. Uh, he 
my father and him are very close friends. And back then, Your father and Tico, that is right. Co correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said, Hey, I'm, I got a feeling about this kid. I'm going to join this band Bon Jovi. And Frankie Nanakat's already had a record deal with MCA and everything. He's like, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? What's the name of the band? It's called Bon Jovi, named after the guy that owns the band. I mean, like, and my father's like, don't do it. He's going to be a controlling asshole. <laughs> 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 but, you know, as history went along, sometimes you get lucky, you know, yep. and, and things go well. But a lot of the times when somebody's naming the band after themselves, uh, they, it, they, it could they, lead they, to they, trouble. They could be a horrible boss. Basically, yeah. Not, yeah. Not all guys that name the band after himself are terrible. No, and, and but if, even if they could be a good boss, but they'll always be a boss. Right. Like I can't imagine. And I'm trying to think in the world of famous bands, any bands that are named after a person where that person is not recognized as the boss, the leader. Like, like you think like Genesis back Jay, in the day. Jay, Jay Giles is a great example. Oh, you're right. You're right. He, I didn't even know Jay Giles was a real person. Yeah, man. Back then, I thought Peter Wolf was Jay Giles. Oh, you're right. That seems like an egalitarian setup. Isn't that yeah. weird? And and but yeah. he was supposedly the the ruler of the whole shooting match. Wow, that's know? interesting. Yeah, that's a good example. You know, like you think about Genesis, they shared all their songwriting credits. Apparently, right. right. You know, um, and that just always struck me as a very egalitarian band. Mm. And I'm thinking, uh, although you know, it's you know, Frankie is truly a friend of the show. And he strikes me as an egalitarian guy, but he was Frankie in the knockouts. Right. But he's such a sweet human being. I right. wonder I wonder if he's an exception to that role. We got to meet him and hang out with him. And I I, I find it's usually the bands that are say the blah 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 band. Yeah. yeah. Like the Steve Miller band. Right. Steve Miller is in control of every single thing that goes on in that band. Yeah. You don't even know the names of the other guys in the band. No, and that and that's also I would think. You know, yes, the people in that band can ride the wave if they connect themselves to the right person. Right. But I would guess that in terms of them having independent name recognition and an independent juice in their career, that's a little more challenging right. when you're the guitar player for the Joe Smith band, you know. I mean, there there are uh, countless stories. I mean, you know, Buddy Rich being a controlling SOB with his band and all the trouble he put them through and... Oh, James Brown. James what? Brown was historically a, a prick. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. his band. And, his, and the women in his life. A controlling matter. asshole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Go you, Hank Engel. You got it right. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So here's band amendment number three. All right. This is a good one. Okay. Never buy any equipment with the band. When they quit, and they always do, they're going to want their money back or just leave with the equipment without any reimbursement to you. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like buying a house with like some like with a girlfriend, yeah, you know, or something like that. Uh, you know? I was in a blues band called Wild Blue Yonder, and the bass player I think owned the PA. Right. We did two gigs, I think, and at the third gig, he said, "I I don't want to be in this band anymore," and I go, "All right, well, you know, whatever. It's no hard feelings," and then I realized he's taking the pa with him <laughs> oh my god now i didn't that, that's a case where he owned his own stuff and he just disappeared and went took everything yeah. yeah but there are there are situations where and tom janeron alluded to this in the uh, i was thinking band, of him yeah band episode that yeah you buy equipment you should put under the llc so that the whole band owns the equipment yeah and whatever and whether the band is 
you know, if you and I are in a band and Scott is a three quarters owner or a fifty percent owner, mm-hmm. when you buy it as a band, whatever that agreement says controls the, the ownership of the equipment. Right, yep. and then and then the individual items like you know, you're not going to share mic, um, probably not going to share microphones, right, or guitars or harmonicas and stuff like that. Personal items that that you would be using in the band, um, right. But whenever you go in on something with somebody and there's a falling out, then you, you could have trouble down the road. It's it's literally, it's legally a divorce. Yeah. It's, and if it's a divorce without a marriage, and the marriage is the contract that Tommy's talking about, right? right. Yeah. So, you know, if you, it's like living with, you know, a, if you're a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you just have a bunch of stuff you bought together and you're, it's just chaotic, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really, you know, great point. And it, and it, kind of circles back to the legal aspects of being in a band sometimes that you know the the more famous you are the more money you make right all of a sudden everybody's interested when you're not making any money right and you don't have any hits or whatever it is you don't have any tour dates or gigs or anything and nobody gives a damn the minute you're unhappy and you leave the band and you own 50 percent of the pa you're gonna have an issue (laughs) yeah you're right and then bigger band bigger problems yeah right who owns the lights? Who owns the fog machine? That's right. You know, uh, all this kind of stuff. So that was number three. Number there's, four. There's three beers in the fridge. Who owns those? <laughs> exactly. You split those up. Here's number yeah. four. All right. This is good. Too. Yes. Dynamics are the most important thing a musician can learn. Not playing is almost as important as playing. Yes. Now, oh my this God. seems like something everybody should know. Not everyone knows it. I can tell you right now, I see a lot of live bands and... They just some of them are just cranking away. Yeah, I I my first after you after after our high school band, I was I was in my first gigging band at Delaware. Craig Ackerman was our drummer, and he shouted the word dynamics, and he was such a great leader for our little band. And I had never heard of I'm a kid, you know, I'd never heard of such a thing, and and it was great because he would have us all sort of quiet down. You know, give Katie Milak, our singer, give her more of a platform that we would bring it up for chorus or what have you. I had never even heard of such a thing. And, and it, it, I think it made us relatively listenable. Right. You know? No, dynamics are super important. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think some of the best songs and best performances are where everybody takes it down a notch and, yeah. and let's say, uh, highlights the vocals. Saw a great yeah. band over the weekend. Uh, our friend Chris D'Amico was a guest yep. of the show uh, at Bar Anticipation. Did the suit and my tie on Sunday. Okay. Just like the drink, M-A-I-T-A-I. Right. And they were covering, you know, rock, yacht rock type songs. Um, yeah. That was the, that's the whole idea of the band, to, to do those kind of AM nuggets, I call them. And they, were, they put their own spin on them. And one of the things they did dynamically that applies to this rule yeah. is... The whole band would stop playing and they would just do acapella vocals. I love it. And then bring the band back in. You know? Yeah. And it's very, very effective. It, I mean, I, I was just on my reels today and I think that there were some sour grapes involved, but Andy Summers uh, was giving an interview about Every Breath You Take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was talking about how he wrote the guitar part. I think he did the interview because apparently he doesn't make money off all the samples oh. <laughs> that, get, that get paid to sting. Um, <laughs> But in a band that doesn't have Sting's name is the lead. But anyway, right. And and I thought about that song, and 
you know, it the dynamics, everyone goes down to let that really simple, and he described it as a simple riff. I mean, I, I think I was once in a band that did that song, mm-hmm. and it just, it's really quiet. And when and when you think of the, the you know, that little guitar part, there's very little else going on. Everyone's tamped right. down. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I like I mean, that role. I, in fact, they were arguing over how the drums should sound. Yeah. That seemed like a big problem, but they really mulled over it for a long time. Oh, you heard the same interview, or at least yeah, you know where they were that. like, you know, the snare was. We don't want it to be too deep or compressed. We want it to be snappy, but we don't want it to be too loud, and you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Stu Coben was like, "I just, you know, I just want to play drums," <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted him to keep it simple. Uh, yeah, I could tell you, Bon Jovi is always, especially in the beginning. I right. used to hear stories like uh, Tico wanted to do. He was he, he's a more he's a better drummer than people realize he is because everything he does is a little more simplistic. Okay. Uh, the recordings, you know, straight hard rock and straight four stuff and simple fills. But that was primarily because of John. John right. didn't want anything fancy. No double bass drum tricks. No massive fills. Not too many cymbals. So if you listen to Bon Jovi songs, it's very, you know, simplified. Yeah, and to John's credit, he had a vision that holy shit did that play out for them, right. you know. Even if, even if Tico or the subsequent drummers couldn't really flex or sort of musically be as expansive as they might have wanted to be. He did, what know? he did was he went in a different direction. And our good friend, uh, the late Joe Loria, used to uh, say to Tico, why don't you add some different traps and sounds and weird things to the recording? Can you get away with doing that? Right. So you'll hear like little cymbal bells. Okay. Thing of... Uh, ding 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 right oh you're right yeah he had finger bells and little bongos and little tchotchkes and little things to make noises with there's there's a lot of that going on you can use some of those things but drumming wise nothing too crazy like a rush song would be let's say (laughs) Where, where they're where they're expected to overplay every song right they are and they're expected to overplay it perfectly but they still had dynamics they did yeah, absolutely right. You know, you come, I, it, in, you come in quiet with Reg Barchetta with the harmonics in the beginning, and yeah. then the whole thing at the end it all it erupts and yeah, and and it's funny because once in a while you I'll, you know I'll go on a YouTube journey for Rush, and it's funny you're saying that because I'll, I'll go on journeys and sort of like um, Spirit of the Radio. Yeah, that's that's my my I think it's my favorite Rush tune. A lot of their live versions are just too loud and too crowded. Mm-hmm. compared to the uh, studio for me anyway compared to the studio recording and i wonder if uh at least for my taste that they're not exercising uh rule four of dad's bad amendments <laughs> it could be yeah they might not have read it it might be the issue it's important know? i mean yeah um if you listen to the beginning of spirit of radio it's all guitar nobody else is playing yeah but there could have just as easily been some drumming going on there you're right you're right and there isn't so not playing is just as important as playing. Absolutely. Let's go to rule number five, man. We Manning. shall. Here's number five. There's a difference between playing and performing. A flurry of notes don't make... Sorry about the bad in grammar here. But yeah, this is way yeah. It goes better this way. <laughs> a flurry of <laughs> it notes... It ain't make you great. <laughs> yeah. A flurry of notes don't make you great. Your stage yeah. presence does. Yeah. And I, I do this all the time. Uh, I'm always about the show. 
Yeah, and you're uh, about your audience. If That's what I love. It's something dumb like a gazoo solo or using the toy ray gun for a rebel yell, which you know Steve Stevens does in concert. And I was like, I got to do that. Yeah. Uh, or using the talk box, to, a real talk box to do talk box songs uh, instead of the wah wah pedal. A lot of guitar players. I'm not bringing extra stuff. Right. I don't know how to use that thing. I don't want to gag on the mic. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> when you got a tube in your mouth. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I so there are a lot of things that we do uh, performance-wise. We may not be the greatest guitar player, greatest band, but when people leave, uh, they they just seem to remember the the good stuff. Well, I will say this about the smoking jackets: like our show, they leave as friends. You know, they come as strangers, leave as friends, which is true. Uh, people see your show, and if they don't know you, they leave as fans. I uh, I don't even know if you know it. I don't know if I told you, but a really good friend of mine, a fellow attorney. Uh, I sent him to Bari for your last gig there. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and he left as a fan. Cool. He and his wife went, and they loved it. Barry Sugarman, I'll give him a shout yeah, out. Awesome. He saw your I show mean, and loved uh, it. Thank yeah. you. Um, Tom Janron, I think, famously once said it, it. We used to blow the confetti cannon almost off at every every gig. Now it's now it makes an appearance every once in a while. Right. But we had this confetti cannon that would that would explode at the end of the the, the show and shoot paper all over the place. Right. Uh, I talked about it on the first episode that we did that at the Stone Pony, and they were not yeah. too happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that that's that confetti can is like that little stick they have in Men in Black where they go poof. Right. No matter how the rest of the gig was, you might think it was musically crappy, or we made a lot of mistakes, or we we could have done better, or you right. know whatever whatever insecurities you have as a band member of your show, that confetti cannon is the last thing they remember. Yeah. And the only thing to remember from some of the shows, I mean, or the kazoo playing. Yeah. You know, it, well, both of them are fun and celebratory. And what the hell yeah. are people out for other than that? Right. Right. So it's very, it's, you know, I've seen lots of players that are amazing guitar players, let's say. Right. As an example. And just stand there like a statue. Yeah. Playing, playing their ass off. They're, they're not grimacing. They're not bending their knees they're not holding the guitar in the air you know <laughs> they're not doing anything interesting except a flurry of notes and honestly for the lame person yeah. a flurry of notes doesn't cut it they don't care no. how to play uh eruption note for note sometimes they want to see something some kind fun of, some kind of show yeah well yeah. i i i saw steely dan um of long island uh jones jones speech i saw them many years ago I don't remember anything. It, great, it, it, great example. Phenomenally yeah. uh, gifted musicians, but they could boring play, as hell. Boring to death. They don't like. They just sit there and stand there and don't move around. <laughs> the same thing with Squeeze. I saw Squeeze when I was in college, um, and they were great. I mean, it sounded great. Boring. Just straight up boring. You you got to you, you really got to sell it. I mean, yeah. And it's easy. Sometimes I find myself playing and I'm in a zone yep, and I'm yep. concentrating on the notes and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not really moving around. Am I? I'm in the same place on the stage I was 10 minutes ago. I got to yeah. Maybe I'll walk over to the keyboard guy or walk over to the bass player or interact with the audience or, I don't know, put on a pair of sunglasses or uh, wear a lighted Stratocaster or something, anything so, to, yeah. uh, to make it interesting to watch. I mean, look at, I'm thinking of the Stones right now. I mean, think of how theatrical uh, Keith Richards is when he plays. Yeah. You exactly. know, he just, I could, I could picture his right hand in my head right now. Yeah. 
just the sort of the way he goes down and you know hits the chords and he's over exaggerated and it's great. This is a good point too, though. I've, yeah. I've also seen bands where everybody's hyper animated. That's a little much, right? <laughs> yeah. Just the, the the show starts and all seven guys or five guys and a girl, or whatever, are all jumping around on the stage like like they're being played with Mary as marionette puppets all over. Yeah, the and, and and you know the important amendment to what you're saying is that if you're going to move around, it to me is as an audience member. Let it be organic and not sort of your perception of what makes you look cool. Something that just yeah. is how you're feeling your own music, how you're feeling your crowd in front of you. Because there are bands, you know, or I will say this. I can't stand watching Johnny Depp play. <laughs> and, and I hate the fact that he does seem to be a good guitar player, which annoys yeah. me even more. Well, he's, I don't know. Is he really? He, I, he's, he's, competent. Got a, he's got a great look. And, yeah, and uh, he definitely looks cool, but I, I don't know if there's anything of oh my God. It, it quality just, it, coming out of that amplifier or not. But no, nah, it, it's to me it, it annoys the hell out of me. You know, <laughs> there's a hundred scarves all that's over why, his. That's body. why I'm laughing yeah. because I get the yeah. same vibe that he's trying overly, oh, overcompensating a, for coolness and not yeah. so much content. And yeah, and, yeah, and yet they're doing very well. So yeah. I, what yeah. do I know? The Hollywood yeah. vampires, right? We, we right. have. We have to edit a picture of him with all his bandanas <laughs> if we could put it in here. But it it annoys the hell out of me. But I have heard a few little clips where he appears to be competent. Hmm. There were some of them where I thought he actually doesn't even have to play guitar. I would watch them and because th- I didn't hear anything. I, I literally wouldn't hear anything. <laughs> and then he, you know, uh, very annoying. Very, very annoying. There are a couple of movie star rock guys out there and i cannot think of another person but they there's um, they, they don't kevin bacon they, they got caught a couple of times without actually playing oh really i like think they, kevin bacon can they, play they were going like this hi everybody and the, their chords were still going on good or let them you know let them like get that. caught i don't like that yeah okay stay rule in your lane stay rule, in your lane <laughs> rule six here we go rule six yeah. uh rule six on breaking equipment I've never broken a symbol ever. If you're breaking symbols, you're an asshole. So here's an asshole again. Okay. Who was <laughs> playing drums so hard that he's breaking symbols. Um, that is a lot more difficult to do than you realize. I can't imagine breaking a symbol. Unless the symbol is a super thin Zildjian or something. Yeah. Uh, my father had a cheap symbol uh, once that he gave me. Or, or he had given to somebody else. He didn't like it because it was cheap and he's a Zildjian guy. Right. And he went to see the guy's show, and he crashed. The guy crashed the cymbal, and it unraveled like a gigantic slinky. Really? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, uh, purposely breaking things for a show, for the show appeal, is probably one thing. But uh, you know, go easy on your stuff. There's no reason to be no. breaking guitar necks and no. strings. Yes, sticks. Yes, but. Anything no, after that, not any, a any, any other abuse is probably not necessary. And if you're yeah. breaking symbols, you got you got to take it easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I thought that was funny. That is funny. Right, here's here's rule seven. Uh, rule seven is don't want to hear about you complain about the gig. Did you get fed? Did you get paid? Shut your mouth. So that this is more or less a a wedding band situation. I was in wedding bands. My dad was in wedding bands. Right. Uh, later on. To make money and you know when the when the whole rock and roll career thing didn't quite pan out because the beatles right. screwed up everything he will tell you that um right. 
but uh i'd come home from a gig a wedding gig ah you know it was the sound was sitting there the mater d was a pain in the ass like did you get fed yes did you get paid yes shut your mouth (laughs) i like it i like that and i like the why you are shut your mouth (laughs) yeah And, and you know what it's your dad's way of saying gratitude. It's like your dad's in a yoga class. Mm-hmm. I, that, I was waiting for a spit take on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will, this is probably a good time of, of any to bring up a couple of pictures here. Of dad. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, well, you saw in the beginning of the show, this is dad in his slingerland set, his white pearl slingerlands. And I which, like what, the old-fashioned style of holding the uh, drumstick, the jazz yep, style. And a suit. Yeah. White yep. suit with a black tie, probably. And I believe, yeah. if memory serves me correct, he had to sell that drum set to buy an engagement ring to marry my mom. Oh, that's funny. And my mom bought him a Red Sparkle Slingerland, which I grew up on playing. Oh, wow. And then he, at some point, he switched over to Tama drums. Um, so that's with the uh, the Rocket Tones. Here, here's a shot of the Rocket Tones. In the back there, you say, Rock with the Rocket Tones, that poster says. Right. Jubilee Recording Arts. Jubilee Records was a small record label in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And uh, it's a cool you know, picture. They, they cut a couple of records. He still has the 78s somewhere. I wish I can convert those digitally so we can play them for people because they're the songs are quite good. Right. So I, he doesn't have any vocal songs. The vocalist is the fella on to the right of my father. That's Pete Saragusa. Okay. He was the leader of the band. Uh, Pete's son, Tony, you may recognize. Yep, yep. The late Goose Saragusa, Tony Saragusa from he, from the Ravens. A, he got a Super Bowl ring, didn't he? He did, yes. Yeah. Um, so Tony went on to be a, a, quite a famous football player. Um, but I, I met Tony at Bar A, uh, Bar Anticipation, and, and uh, people were bothering him about football stuff. Football this, football that, football this. And I come over and I go, real close, I go, the Rocketones. That's all I said to him. He <laughs> turned around like, Right, I bet he did. How do you know the Rocketones? I go, my father and your father were in the band together. Oh, my God, who was your dad? And then I showed him that picture, which he had never seen before. Oh, that's great. So, that, you know, and, and this other picture of the Rocketones, too, which is kind of cool. That's uh, a great picture. I sent, it, I sent it to him. That's a nice-looking guitar, too. Yeah, they were, they were playing uh, class, uh, vintage guitars back then. I don't know how they had enough money to buy those. <laughs> <laughs> And then Dad yeah. created another band in the '60s called the Skipjacks. Uh, I think they used to play a lot of lounges and stuff right. like that. And here's was the- he in the Baltimore area? Uh, Tony was. The, the reason I ask, but they're all everybody's from New Jersey. They're from Kenilworth. The reason I ask is that uh, I once saw the B hockey team in Baltimore. They are named the Skipjacks. Isn't that weird? And I, I meant to ask you that earlier. Yeah, I wonder there's, no, if... there's no relation. And then yeah. talking about performing instead of playing, there, there you go. Wow, My look at that. Dad with the mallets making a face wearing a wig, and right. I, don't, I don't know what's going on. A guy's got his finger in his nose. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one with one hell of a show. And then you had yeah. the wedding, and then you had the Italian wedding band. My father was the only non-Italian in the wedding band. Frankie's Mellow Tones. That's a great name. <laughs> Frankie, uh, Frank Buscano, war hero. Uh after the war started this band and he was the band leader and he brought his sons in uh johnny on the left and frank jr on the right there or maybe on the far right, right. i'm not sure the other saxophone guy is 
And then my dad's on the far left there with his uh, tie and his drumsticks. That, and they, they did gazillions of weddings. I can't imagine a more 70s picture than that. Uh, yeah, I have one. Here it is. You found it. <laughs> <laughs> right out of Dumb and Dumber, those tuxedos. <laughs> they really, oh my God, you're right. With the, uh, you know. And here's the funny thing is that Frank, the the leader of the band, was a tailor, and he made all those jackets for them. Wow. I still have my father's tuxedo, black tuxedo jacket in wow. my closet, which I, and it still fits, and it's, it still doesn't look too shabby in case I need a tuxedo jacket. There uh, you go. It's so it's it's still alive and well. So that's it. That was that's a lot of fun to want, look at those pictures. Um, all right, so let's get back to the band amendment. So we're at rule seven now. Let's go to rule eight. This is a good one, too. The public never knows what songs you're going to play. The idea we have to play that song is nonsense. If you're a band with a catalog of hits, then you have a point. Otherwise, no one cares. So right. what does that mean? How many bands have argued, oh, we got to do... Right, brown eyed girl. We because it's on our list. Brown eyed girl. It's everybody, on our list. Everybody wants yeah. to hear it, and then some guy goes, "Ah, it's hokey. Nobody wants to hear that stupid song. It's overplayed. Right. Mustang Sally is overplayed." Blah 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 blah. But the, the the argument that you have to do some certain song, no matter how hot it is, if you don't it's, do it well, no, don't, and, don't you're play right. It. No, I don't. I don't go to a wedding or a bar, and if I see a cover band expect to hear brown eyed girl or, or yeah. white wedding or whatever song yeah i just expect to hear music i mean there's some there's some playlists that are very uh ingenious and you know and and really fit the style of the band suit and my tie right? right had 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 their yacht rock songs in there there were a lot of great surprises in there of songs yeah. i haven't heard a band do in years and that right. was as a musician very refreshing yeah uh, you got super trans Am doing their show all 70s rock uh costume changes really oh yeah all kinds of stuff fog and this and that and but the song choices are rooted right in the 70s rock and and it's it fits their persona perfectly i like um but if you're just a regular old cover band if you're not really labeling yourself any as anything nobody going to the show is expecting to hear they won't be disappointed like wow they didn't do uh living on a prayer Hmm. yeah I'm, I'm not happy. Yeah, they, they're just they're not going to. Now, if you saw the Stones and then and the Stones didn't do, start you know, me up. satisfaction or something. You're like, what yeah. the hell? They didn't do satisfaction. Yeah, like, that's Pat, a good rule. Pat, that is a great rule. Uh, that I think Tommy should incorporate all these when he uh, represents bands. <laughs> It'll resolve a lot of fights. I know that Pat Benatar is not playing "Hit Me with Your Best Shot" anymore. No, because, because of the school shootings and so forth. Oh, that's Which true. I don't, I don't see the connection there. At all. I don't either, but I guess um, that's hit, her way of being sensitive. Maybe what your I best guess. shot is is this figure of speech and has nothing yeah. to do with actual shooting anybody. But, I know. Yeah. You know. Uh, that being said, I we the smoke jackets covered hit me with your best shot with the Baxter twins, a uh, Baxter sister. I, I saw that, and uh, it went over really, really well. No, nobody, uh, nobody complained. Nobody was woke and said, "Whoa." Why? How dare you sing a song called "Hit Me with Your Best Shot"? I was at a bar mitzvah in Long Island with my parents, and I started chatting it up with the band, mm-hmm. and they let me play "Hit Me with Your Best Shot." My parents were so embarrassed to see me up there; they left while I played it. <laughs> oh 
and I, and I did moderately well with it. So. And a Neil Giraldo guitar solo that really is a pain in the ass. Well, that check, I didn't do. If you want to try a guitar solo, that's kind of weird. That, check that one out. Yeah. So that's that. All right, let's now, try nine. Now, let's see. Rule number nine. We're almost there, kids. <laughs> Here's number nine. Number nine? Number nine? Yes. Yes, Your yes. Your job yes. is to entertain. It's a job. Treat it like one. Not a party for you. It's a party for them. And uh, we have a little video to back that up. Oh, this is a surprise for me. Let me see. Uh, did I put it up here? Yeah, here it is. There's a sense of entitlement. Right. You're not entitled to get a gig at any bar anywhere. Thank it is God. a job. It is a real job. You need to take it seriously. You need to understand your market. You, you need to have a plan. Know, you know, know what you're going to do. You have to sell yourself. And when you're selling yourself, like for me, not I'll say, show me, don't tell me. You, don't tell me how great you are. And you know what else don't do? Don't tell me how much better you are than all the other bands that play. Oh, we're better than this band. We're better. You know, once a person starts with that, I know they have an attitude. I won't even go near them. Right. You know, don't try to, you, 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 you know, don't talk bad about any musicians, even if they deserve it. You, you shouldn't do that. I, I mean, you know, they're there and they're there for It's all reason. negative energy. So, yeah, so if, if, if they can approach it like a business, put the energy into it, be professional, uh, have something different, know how to market yourself, and come to you with a plan. I mean, no, very few people come to you with a plan and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do, here's how I'm going to promote the gig, and here's why we're different. The, rather than, or I get, oh, yeah, we, we, we play a lot in New York, we want to get down on the Jersey Shore. We play a lot in Pennsylvania, we want to get down on the Jersey Shore. Uh, we love your bar, and the bartender said we'd be great here. And here's three links. Click on these links. And you know, every once in a while, if I, if I see something local, because if it's local, it's more likely to work. Right. Uh, I'll click on a link, and, and I see a person in a you know a, a, you know four four guys playing in an, in an empty pub somewhere. It's not going to work. That's helpful. So no, that, that was like rule 9A, rule 9B, lowercase b, lowercase c. But it, our good it, friend Tom Chano and, and the Roundtable Show, which you can catch uh, on YouTube anytime. Anytime. And what's funny is as you talked about rule 9, I thought of Tommy. I heard Tommy in my head yep. because that's one of our iconic, for us anyway, one of our iconic shows. It's one of our best shows um, because there was just so much wisdom. You guys, as a panel, the three of you. That was, that was great fun to share our yeah. thoughts and so forth. Yeah. Um, but he's right. It's a job. It's a real job. And he yeah. is uh, he's the talent manager for Bar Anticipation in Lake Como, New Jersey. Yeah. He, he hires all the talent. Um, he gets gazillions of emails and tons of phone calls and tons of text messages and stuff. And so how do you weed through all that stuff? And and find you know a band that's gonna fit the room, right? And then once you finally get hired, you know, if 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 they're not paying attention to the people or playing for them, or servicing the the song or the band or whatever, and they're just you know being disastrously drunk or partying or whatever, um, that's it's just not gonna you're not gonna get called back. The hardest part no. about getting a gig is to get that second gig, right? Maybe yeah, that's a that's maybe right. that's a band amendment. So who said that, that? that? Paul Nelson said that. <laughs> I think he did. I think he did. Sorry, Paul. Be, I stole that from yeah, Paul. Yeah. Before we go to ten, we need a drum roll from you. Do you have anything you could do a drum roll on down there? We could. We could put one in. All right, we'll put one in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, let's hear 10. Here we go. Numero 10. This is a long one. Have integrity. You have a gift. That gift costs money. Demand good pay. Let the shitty bands play for free. When no one comes to see them play and the bar doesn't make money, then you'll have leverage. <laughs> oh, I like that. Now, I don't know if this is would completely work or not, but there is something to be said about short sell, sell, selling yourself. Yeah, um, it's believe in yourself. Recognize your own personal yeah. value. So, as a, yeah. I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. No, it, it's like value yourself as a musician. Value yourselves as a band. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, it's powerful. You know, you could get undersold by another band and say, well, we'll do it for 100 bucks a person or we'll do it for uh, $50 a person and, and maybe maybe some door money or bar ring or something. Right. Yeah. Kind of deal. Um, so instead of well, what Tommy does is try to hire the bands based on their talent and, and draw. Some right. bar owners will hire a band based slowly on, I got them cheap, you know, yeah, and, that, I, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah. Now, you could get lucky and the band could be fabulous. Now, right. now you've played your ass off. You dri- you've driven an hour and a half. You, you have a, you ha- you have a Gibson that costs $4,000 and you made $10 after you paid the bar tab. I mean, right. what are you doing? <laughs> no, and then you're not happy. <laughs> right. And, that, and then that's, you know. Even when you're there, uh, you know, one would hope you'll just be purely enmeshed in the music and the crowd. And that's a piece of it, I know. Yeah. But if you're the whole time you're thinking, I can't, I'm going to have trouble filling my gas tank when I leave here yeah. because, you know, the owner of this bar is too cheap to pay me what I am worth. Right. That has to affect your performance. And you know? I've, I've been in situations where I finished an entire gig and then the bar owner said, I don't have enough money to pay you guys. Oh, really? And, you know, that's unacceptable. I mean, the, I would say, look, the place was packed. Right. Everybody was drinking. We played for three hours. Don't tell me you don't have $500 in there. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. really bad. But then, you know, you get stiffed and you don't go back or they or they come in at a lower price than you agreed upon. But, uh, you know, a lot of times there are no contracts with these gigs, especially yeah. if you're just a little cover band playing little bars. Yeah, you know uh, the smoking jackets level. We're playing much bigger, yeah. bigger rooms, and um, we don't have to put up any of that kind of stuff um, for the most part. Um, and and there there are talent agents and so forth involved, right? And sound guys and you know all that kind of stuff. But but when you're when I was first starting out, there was a lot of that stuff going on. Um, just didn't treat the brand well. Uh, yeah. You are you are dogs, and your job is to fetch, right? Right, right. Yeah. They, they, don't want, they don't want you coming in the front door with the equipment. You got to come around the back. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to do this and that, and they 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 dictate how long you're supposed to play for and how long your breaks are, uh, or they don't want any breaks at all. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours yeah. of continuous music, and like we, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> Uh, or whatever it is, they're, they're, the bands put on bands, and a lot of bands just put up with it. They do it because they want the work. And then over time, I have to think that band, as 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 an ensemble, they will not feel good about themselves. No. And it, I think it, that has to affect performance and everything. Rarely yeah. works. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's your ten, 10 band amendments. I like it. 
I think this was such a fabulous idea, Scott. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's you know it, it's something that could really you know get band members thinking. You know because it you know whatever you do for a living from or avocation if it's if it's your avocation as opposed to your profession, it's we don't spend enough time thinking about what we do to do it better. We kind of just do it. You know. Yeah. And, and as a band, to just sit down and say, all right, you know. We don't need to write out a mission statement or anything, but just to sit down and think about, you know, what is our approach to, to each other? What is our approach to the outside world? To follow up with our show with Tommy, the law of the band, you know, are, are we right now we're all getting along? Do we have our, our sort of band prenup, so to speak, and all that stuff? And, and what you've come up with here with the band amendments, to me, it, it, it's an opportunity for everyone in the band to just sort of sit down and reflect a bit because you know the hustle and bustle of your life is we are right, we have three new songs we got to practice that we got to book this gig we got to get to the gig we got to break down from yeah. the gig oh my god so, you know, our bass player got sick we got to find someone to sit in and then instead to force yourself to take a little time and think about us as a band and this this little exercise we had fun with tonight strikes yeah. me as very healthy yeah, it's it's they look it's tongue in cheek. It's made to get a giggle out of you, but the, but it's based yeah. in fact. Yeah. Uh, just a couple days ago, I was reading a post uh, from I think one of the singers of Battery's band. Yeah, uh, she she was in, I don't think it was a Battery band thing. I think she was doing a gig. Uh, she booked a wedding or some kind of highbrow event, and the restaurant wanted to charge the band for the food. Oh yeah, so you told she me about said, this. Um, she sort of reached out in general and said, "Hey, did does is, is this a new thing? Is anybody paying for food for the band? We're talking about banquet hall gig. Yeah, ton, crap, tons of money, like <laughs> three hundred fifty people, you know, a country club or something. And then they're going to nickel and dime them and, and and charge the band for food. Right. Uh, I've never been charged for food in a wedding." When you come to my house, I, I usually expect you know a well, yeah. small gratuity. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I always I always drop in a few bucks for the pizza you get. Yeah. You make all this gourmet shit, and then I go there and you give me pizza, <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> uh, Dave is an amazing cook, by the way, everybody. Uh, follow Dave on Instagram, Dave Cohen. Uh, Dave R. Cohen. The R stands for risotto, I think. It uh, does. He, he he makes the most amazing. Back when we had Paul Nelson, I was kind of a funny moment. Uh, you said you were listening to Paul's music while you were cooking dinner, and he was like, "Oh wow, what'd you make? What were, we, what were you eating?" And and he was probably expecting Dave to say like, you know, spaghetti, spaghettios, or right, know, right, toast. Uh, he's, oh, I made a uh, what'd you make? I, I made something pretty funky. I remember it. I wish I could. Well, uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture. No, oh, no, no, boo. Something. Oh, that's right. I made the uh, my version of the Nobu glazed uh, cod. Yeah, that's what I made. Yeah. 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 And he was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, David's. Yeah. Cook. Oh, uh, thank you, my friend. And he does it without a cookbook or a recipe. I don't, I don't like, I don't like recipes. I don't yeah. But then again, I learned guitar parts without reading. We do, music. we do this show without a script, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. We talked for 51 minutes. We don't know if it's going to suck or we're going to get six views or 6,000 views. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some haters. I love that when haters chime in. I'll I'll send in some hate just to get it started. Like like Anthony Parker said, he uh, a guy was busting his balls that his hair, his chest hair was sticking out of his t-shirt, <laughs> and uh, nothing to do with what he was yeah. the content of his post. Yeah, crazy crazy <laughs> stuff. It is. Well, uh, 
So this, how do you, so that's the band Memmets episode. It is. And we love you, Dad. Dad is still around. Of course, doesn't play much at age 82, but he still has a ton of musical knowledge and is always uh, ready to tell a story. If I just happen to hit a nerve or something, then he goes, oh, hey, yeah. I, remember, I remember something. Uh, told me a story the other day how he played a Greek wedding. Um, the owner of the restaurant was Greek, and it was his family, and the owner was out of town. Right. Snuffy's Pandages Renaissance and Scotch Plains, which is no longer there. Anyway, right. the whole thing was made out of marble. Marble this, marble that, marble floors, you know, and they were smashing plates for oh, wow. the wedding. And a piece of plate popped up and hit my father under the eye, and he started bleeding while he was playing. He started really getting pissed off. And so the, the leader of the Melatones, Frank Fischkano, right. says, all right, you know, this is a job. Don't get a fight with anybody. Don't beat anybody up. It was an accident. While he's saying that, another plate or cup smashes and cuts Frank's cheek from his nose to his ear almost. Wow. Gushing blood. Wow. All, all out fight breaks out between the band and the patrons. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. So this is a story I never heard before, but I was talking yeah. about the band Memmon show and this and that and the Melatones and the, the, the Skipjacks and the Rocketones right. and all this. And then this story just like came out of nowhere. Wow. So, so I always make a mental note to try to remember these stories and recant them here on the show. Oh, those are great. <laughs> those are fabulous. Well, thanks for putting this together, Mr. Scott. Yes, sir. We Absolutely. Uh, so coming up next, Dave, what do we have going on? We have our we have Mike, Mike Ren. Yeah, we have a Kiss special coming up, which should be a ton of fun. The number one collector of Kiss memorabilia, either in the United States or the world. Something so that, like that. Yeah, so, so that should be a lot of fun. We're going to seen thousands of kiss shows. Uh, yeah. He's also he's also very very funny. I did a podcast with him years ago uh, called the Some Guy Show with Jay Such, and uh, it was like you know Howard Stern on steroids. It was crazy. Oh, I thought great. I thought for sure I was going to be in the midst of somebody saying something or myself saying something was going to get me fired from my real job. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> and funny. all we were doing was the top one hundred guitar players of all time. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was it was kind of crazy, but we're, I'm looking forward to having Mike on. Uh, that, we're we're, we're taping that in about four days or five days. 20, so that's 24th, 24th of July. Yep, yep. 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 And of course, time doesn't count because today's date doesn't even matter. We will live time immemorial. on, yeah. on, on, on all forms of social media. Yeah, we, we'll so, get it out there. Look well, for us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. For the video of this and if right. you want to just see it you could go to youtube you just want to hear it we're on virtually every podcast platform you can think of including pandora which we just added last week so yeah that was that was a good moment for us yeah and, and it's nice to have you on this side of the camera periodically i enjoy it yeah it's you know it's nice to be out front instead of using my chat board yeah <laughs> yeah well thank you for putting this together my friend thanks have a good night everybody dave anything you want to say in closing before i hit the outro button no. Okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.